This week on Ultra 64, we're getting our hands dirty with Clay Fighter and Clay Fighter 63 and a third Sculptor's Cut. And if you want that second one, it's going to cost you a putty penny. Get it? Because it's a pun. This is better than any puns in this game. <laughs> Welcome to Ultra 64, we are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog, and we're playing it and we're sculpting it into our own graven images, and my name is Steve Gunley. I am Woody Siskowski, and I hope that you choke on my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not exaggerating, that really, really terrible putty pun at the beginning was, uh... At least on par, if not better, than most of the what, puns you don't in the think, Clay Fighter series. You don't think that Cape Clay Navril is, like, oh, a real knee slapper? That's, you know, it's a, it's a brutal one, I'll admit that. But yes, this week we are playing the Clay Fighter series. That's Clay Fighter 63 and a third, and the Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut. That latter one is noteworthy because it is the rarest, the most valuable, the hardest to find Nintendo 64 game. And uh, it's also exposing kind of the weak point of collecting video games, <laughs> which is that the things that tend to cost the most are the ones that are the least worth, worth playing. Um, I think we got better off here than in some other uh, systems, you know, where oh, it's yeah. just like absolute guard, like stadium events paying $40,000 for <laughs> really boring track and field game. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's still, it's not uh, it's not a purchase you necessarily feel great about after playing it. No, I, I think, I don't know, like what is, Super Bowling is one of the other valuable ones, and that's like a couple hundred. Yeah, um, and that was terrible too. Yeah, um, yeah. that one's that one is much worse than I this thought, one. I, so. I just got very confused, and I thought you were referring to the Super Bowl coming up this week, oh. and that's like an activity that you're doing. You're going Super Bowling, oh, like yeah. wassailing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Here yes. we go, a Super Bowling, rooting for the 49ers. <laughs> I, lost, I lost my thread. Okay, no, that's great. That's great. Uh, so, yes, this week we were talking about Clay Fighter, and I want to get this out of the way early and say that the Clay Fighter games are not good well, yes let's all come let's, together and agree let's agree they're not good but there's something very distinctive about these games it's kind of uh it's got a unique approach to the fighting game genre that not a lot have and that kind of makes it noteworthy if not necessarily worth revisiting there was a, i mean there's clearly real effort and i don't want to say and love put into like giving these games a lot of personality like that's clear that that's when they that's where they started. I that's where they started. I I will argue that I think a lot of the features in these two games are just kind of like a big shrug. Sure. Um and uh, I mean they didn't even spell check the manual. Like I mean there's <laughs> there's lots of shit like that. Like I think they were kind of rushing to meet a deadline and they didn't necessarily put as much care as maybe they did in the first one. Sure. But they definitely have some distinctive character models. All the animations are done through clay animation, which is not something you see in video games very often. No. I remember seeing ads for the first game when I was a little kid, and I was obsessed because I loved animation of all kinds, and I thought, this game looks so groundbreaking. This mm -hmm. looks like nothing else out there. So I scrimped, I saved, I did chores, I, I, I saved up all my Christmas money and things like that, and finally gathered up the $70 oh. needed to buy a new Genesis game, which is what they cost at the time, and... Uh, I got bored with it within uh, within a few hours. And that was Clay Fighter. That was the original yeah. Clay Fighter, yeah. And uh, I got bored with it very quickly. Yeah. Um, because there's no features, kind of repetitive, clunky gameplay, yeah. and like you see kind of everything you're gonna see uh, in one playthrough. I mean, I will say like the things that sort of make Clay Fighter special, all it kind. I mean, they they sort of meet those promises of it is animated with clay and the characters are pretty goofy. Sure. They just don't advertise the fact that the gameplay is real boring. Yeah. Like, smartly, the advertising guys don't come in and be like, here's our plan. Yeah. We're going to put this ad in and instead of advertising the cool clay characters, we're going to talk about slow, clunky gameplay mm. that'll really draw the people in. That's that's what gets that's what gets you uh, yeah. coming back for more. That's what people loved about the original Mortal Kombat was how slow it moved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they wanted to recapture that. Although it's hard to say if this one's parodying Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat more. I think it's kind of an even split. Yeah. Because it's, 
I mean, the gameplay in all of these games is kind of a combination of the two. You have kind of the more in-depth, strategic uh, Street Fighter style, and then the dial-a-combo Mortal Kombat style. I think this game plays the most like Killer Instinct. I agree, which, now that I think about it, is also kind of the synthesis of those two genres, too. Like, yeah. So um, because it has a real it has different names for you like that's the most clear homage to Killer Instinct is that game would have names depending on how advanced your combo was it would name your combo and this game does that too. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um well let's talk a little bit about clay animation because we never get a chance to talk about clay animation. Comes up very little very on the game podcast. I think this is the only time it's going to come up on our show for sure. Uh, so firstly, I want to specify there's a difference between clay animation and claymation oh, because I'm a, weird, I'm a weird pedant about that. Claymation refers to a specific brand created by Will Vinton. And it's also clay animation, but it's kind of like referring to like all tissue is Kleenex. You oh, know, I all, got it. All Kleenex so is what, tissue, but what, not all tissue is Kleenex. What's something that we might have seen that is actually claymation? So claymation would be like the California Raisins or oh, okay. um, the sequences in Return to Oz. Uh, because those were done specifically by Will Vinton. But everything else is just kind of clay animation or stop motion animation. So um, so let's talk about that. So clay animation dates back to 1897, Goodness. which is the year that that special modeling clay used to animate the figures was actually invented. Uh, eventually, artists began experimenting with photography, changing the little movements of the clay figures by minuscule amounts and like 24 frames per second to simulate movement. Uh, the first clay animated film came in 1908. Well, the first film with clay animated features came in 1908 it was called the sculptor's welsh rarebit dream sometimes called the sculptor's nightmare uh in it uh, a sculptor is imprisoned by the city fathers who are angry over an indecent sculpture that he made and while he's in prison he dreams about three busts uh two are u.s presidents teddy roosevelt and william howard taft and And the third dolly parton (laughs) (laughs) i love that the third is presidential nominee william jennings bryan uh, they all come to life and they start mocking him. And it's wow. really creepy, like, uh, watching the... They're, they're, like, slowly melting upwards until their faces. And then they just start, like, screaming. And it's all a silent film, of course. This is a very complicated story for 1908. Oh, it's really fucking creepy. Like, they all turn into this weird cat demon by the end of it. Like, uh, watch it all on YouTube. It's all on there. Um, the Sculptor's it, Nightmare. Yeah, called The Sculptor's Nightmare or <laughs> The Sculptor's Welsh Rarebit Dream, which I also had to look that up because I didn't know what it was. No, I only heard of nonsense. Welsh Rarebit from Phantom Thread. And uh, it's like a sauce. It's like a it's like a uh, cheese sauce Got that it. you put on bread. That's one of the things he orders when he's a hungry boy at exactly. the beginning of the movie. He's a very hungry boy in that. Um, so yeah, it's creepy as fuck. I would say yeah, check that out on YouTube. Um, other special effects wizards would eventually adapt the process. Sometimes they would use plastic models or figurines instead of clay, and that's what you call stop motion animation. Okay. Like the original King Kong would be a very good example of early stop yeah. motion animation. Uh, clay animators started becoming more and more prominent going into the 40s and 50s. Uh, one of the biggest leaps forward was in 1953, Art Clokey invented a character called Gumby, who would uh, go on to have his own television show, a couple different television shows, actually. There was, was one when I was a kid. And it was played by Eddie Murphy, right? Yes, yeah, okay. famously played by Eddie Murphy. Okay, uh, I didn't know there was a Gumby movie in 1995, of all things, but there was a feature-length Gumby what is movie. Gumby's deal? Like, is he like a friendly? He's a friendly guy, and he just walks around with his little horse, Pokey. Right? He's a friendly guy. He does things, and he does things that are very limited to whatever they could get done that week. I okay. guess. I don't. Re- I don't really remember his deal. I remember. I like. I. I recognize him. I remember watching some cartoons. I think they showed some of his shorts on like the Pee Wee Herman show. Like when I was a kid, or Pee Wee's Playhouse. Really? Like, they would show some Gumby shorts on there sometimes. But wasn't Pee Wee's Playhouse for adults, and then like. No, no, no it was like, okay. there was a kid show version. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, it started as an adult thing, oh, and okay. then it, when it got to TV, it was a kid show thing. Uh, so around the same time that Gumby was becoming popular, there was a special effects wizard named Ray Harryhausen who was oh, using man. clay and figurine animation to create very memorable effects. Uh, check out movies like Voyage of Sinbad. Ray Harryhausen is the best. Oh man, I he's love Ray Harryhausen master. movies are so fun. They like, look like nothing else. Were, like yeah, the the sin the Jason and the Argonauts and the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad like. Those like those movies came out like before I was born, but I have a weird nostalgia for them in the way that they look. They're like somehow they're like in they're like the definition of nostalgia is the is like the guy fighting the skeletons. Yeah, right? it's so it's it's very like it's kind of silly looking now yeah. because it's clearly like they they animated all these skeletons and now they have got actors in front of a screen pretending to fight like the skeletons, you know. So it looks kind of goofy and they've. 
they paid homage to in the movie Army of Darkness, mm. like where they they had the budget to do better effects than they had, but they made them specifically on a screen to look like the old Ray Harryhausen yeah, effects. Yeah, something about the way those movies look, man. It's just like it's like such a beautiful like visual style of these Greek myths. I feel I like. Know. Clash of the Titans is probably the one that most people our age would have seen. Okay, and I've actually never seen that one. Okay, I, I think it's kind of boring personally, okay. but the animation's great. I, I just really like the Sinbad ones. Yeah, the Sin, Sinbad and uh, Jason and the Argonauts yeah. are fantastic. Um, so yeah, he was a very big influence on this type of animation. And then in the 70s and 80s, an animator named Will Vinton created his uh, Claymation brand. So he earned some acclaim and a couple of Academy Award nominations for a few short films. And then he was hired to do uh, the Claymation scenes in uh, Return to Oz, which if anybody's watched that Disney movie, it's the most terrifying kids movie of all time. (laughs) A lot of it is due to those Claymation sequences with the talking like Goblin King. He also directed his own movie. Have you ever seen The Adventures of Mark Twain? No. Arguably even more frightening oh. than Return to Oz okay. because they do this whole sequence with like the unknown stranger or something. Very weird. Check it out though. Yeah, I think you'd like that fun, movie. Yeah. Uh, so after that, he broke big on a nationwide scale thanks to some iconic television commercials featuring the California Raisins, the Domino's Pizza mascot, the Noid, who you must avoid. I, <laughs> I did I not know that now. the Noid was Claymation. He I was. only knew him for the NES game. Which oh, was yeah. not in Claymation. He was not. And the early M&M's ads, when they were first starting to be anthropomorphized, they were Claymation, and that was uh, uh, Will Vinton. <laughs> and then his studio would also produce the Fox primetime sitcom The PJs, starring Eddie Murphy. Did you ever watch that one? No. But Eddie Murphy's all over this yeah, episode, weirdly. Uh, that show's not bad, actually. It, it I think it only lasted like one or two seasons. It was sandwiched in between Futurama and Family Guy, uh, but it wasn't bad. Uh, so Clay Animation is... Uh, I would say less common, but definitely not gone. There's no. a lot of really good movies that have come out. All, all the movies that Leica Studios have done. Mm-hmm. I just watched The Missing Link, which is their, yeah, their recent like a lot of fun. Oscar nominee. It, it's a lot of fun. It's very fun. And they did Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, and Paranorman, The Box okay. Trolls. And then, uh, you've of course, you have Nick Park, who uh, with yeah. Ardman Entertainment, who oh, creates the magnificent uh, Wallace and Gromit movies. Chicken Run, Flushed Away. All of his movies have been fun. Yeah. Then you get movies like Coraline, Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, all of those things. So now, are those movies? I didn't know those movies were actually done in claymation. Like I thought they were. It's kind of like half claymation, half CGI, right? It's stop like, motion. Yeah, it's stop motion technically, but they did use on Nightmare. I know they used some clay figures, and okay. I think they started on clay figures with a lot of these. Paranorman was definitely all clay, and then I think they moved to more like plasticine stuff for later. But it is still stop motion. Um, Before hopping off this topic, I do want to give a shout out to uh, a movie people may not have seen. It's from 2009. It's called Mary and Max. Have you seen this? Yes. This is is a fantastic movie. Wonderful movie. At least four times. It's so good. It's so good. It is Uh, really good. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tony Collette, they just play like two pen pals who uh, become friends over the years. And it's such a heartbreakingly beautiful, funny, wonderful movie. So if you haven't watched Mary and Max, prioritize that. It's been too long. It is excellent. All right, let's talk about Clay Fighter. The well, Clay let's Fighter talk series. a little bit um, oh, yeah, yeah. B- about Claymation or <laughs> Clay mm. Animation in video games. Um, mm. Since it doesn't get, hasn't gotten a ton of love here, it's an idea that kind of comes back every so often and people are like, yeah, this could work. Yeah. And then it sort of goes away. Like, I don't feel like there's ever been sort of a Clay animated game that people have been really excited about. Like, no. you would say Clay Fighter was sort of the time it struck at biggest. Um, mm. The ones that come to mind immediately. There's a platformer for the Super Nintendo called Claymates, mm-hmm. where kind of the clay is. I don't, I don't know how much claymation is actually in this game. Like, I'm not entirely it, it, sure. It looks, it doesn't look super distinct, and the the characters seem animated too smoothly for it to actually be claymation. But it's sort of built into the gameplay of you play as a ball of clay, mm. and you can sort of get. If you pick up a different kind of clay, you'll turn into like a clay cat or a clay bird. And you right, go around. different skills and stuff. Um, like and that. that's an all right platformer. I mean, um, you don't. I, I watched footage of it, and like, it doesn't look very clay. Like when you're a cat, but when you're a ball, it definitely looks like. Okay. And that's actually technically part of this Clay Fighter series. It's a spinoff of that because it's oh. by Interplay. It's by the same team. I did not know that Claymates was a spinoff. Yeah, technically um, it is. Yeah. And the other, the other big one, um, I would say, is the Neverhood series. Yeah. Um, which was created by Doug Tennapel, who we've talked about on the Earthworm Jim episode. Um, and that's a really cool uh, point-and-click adventure game for the PC that's fairly hard to find and get running now. Um, and then it has a sequel called 
the uh, Skull Monkeys, which mm. was a PS1 platformer, which that that looks really good. Like that's that basically plays like Donkey Kong Country, um, not quite as good as that game, but Inclamation with a really goofy, fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, and that game's really good. And then um, there was a Kickstarter one uh, for a sequel for the Neverhood called like Amacrog or something like oh. this. Um, that kind of came and went in terms of like people were excited about it because people have fondness for the Neverhood, and then people are like, you know, this isn't that great. <laughs> I want to track that uh, one down, that Neverhood, because I've, uh, I've I've heard of it, and yeah. I, I hear it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's neat, and it's it's got its own real weird aesthetic. And I feel like that's it, – it is the clayiest of these clay games. Sure, like it, yeah, the yeah. environments are designed – I think that, like, actually the environments were sort of built. Yeah. And so it really looks good, and it really sort of leans into the clay animation better than anything. So, yeah, now we can talk about Clay Fighter. It just occurred to me that uh, they must have exercised an incredible amount of restraint not to have an Andrew Dice Clay character in these games. <laughs> I feel like that's right. Just a dice, like a dice clay that, like, swears at people. I don't know. It's, that's as good as a lot of the stuff they come up with. Incredible so. restraint, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he was at his biggest around this time. <laughs> like, there's, there, it was the time to cash in, unless you want to make it off, off of him now, where he's Lady Gaga's dad and a star is born, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know if kids will want to play that game. Anyway, Clay Fighter first debuted on the Super NES on the Genesis in 1993. The series, it's, yeah, like I said, it's kind of a parody of and a contender to fighting games sure. of the time, the two big fighting games, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Uh, and, you know, if you remember, we've talked about this in other fighting game episodes, but around 93, 94, everybody was trying to eat Mortal Kombat's <laughs> lunch and Street Fighter's lunch. Like, they're, everyone's trying to get in on this, whether they should or not. Right. Um, and it's usually just trying to be more and more outrageous because that was the appeal of Mortal Kombat right. was how over the top it went. Um, so the original game in this was uh, uh, set in a circus. Uh, all the inhabitants were mutated after a clay meteor hit the big top. And now they're all fighting each other for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, they don't they're trying to collect why. the soul edge. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> a story of souls and time passed down through I, generations. I think I'm just kind of spoiled by modern fighting games having a point to your fighting. Like, it, it didn't always used to be that way. But I, I, I mean, know. Mortal Kombat always did an okay job. It yeah. was like Shao Kahn was going to, like, absorb all the sh souls. And yeah. Like, well, I guess people. Street Fighter had a plot, too. I guess it's just this one that fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the innovative clay animated figures drew a lot of attention back in the day. Uh, and you know what? They still look pretty good. Mm -hmm. I played the Super NES version a little bit, getting ready for this. Uh, the movement's very clunky. The hit detection's not very precise. But the animations are great. And I love that you can see, like, fingerprints and divots in the figures themselves. Like, it's clear that they were actually hand-modeled before translating into these sprites. It's very cool. Um, and it, it still looks good. But... After a few minutes, you're going to get over how good it looks, and you're going to be kind of bored with it. Right. Um, and a recurring theme in all of these games is they just play really slow, all the Clay Fighter games. Um, and you and think I don't there's any way around it? Like, you think that just this style like, no, just facilitates I, being I slow? I think that they're just poorly programmed. Okay. Like, I don't think that it has anything to do with it being Clay animated. Like, I, I guess it would be harder, like, the smoother and sort of faster frame rate that it runs... if it. If it ran smoother, it might be a little harder to get all that animation in there, but I feel like it's not related to the animation style. Okay. Uh, I was just, yeah. Hard yeah. to say because I don't really know what a very smooth running claymated game will look look like. Right. Well, because, I mean, School Monkeys is pretty good. Okay. Um, so I, I would give that one a try. But, um, yeah, it's, that that's sort of the thing is when you shoot for parody of something, like, I feel like this game does okay in terms of hitting those sort of humor points like i think it does strike like so a lot of easy jokes yeah but ones that did appeal to me as a little kid like i thought it was hilarious that there was a guy who had like an elvis yeah. elvis parody yeah and yeah. like a fat viking lady who sang opera like oh just good stuff good quality good quality 10 year old humor yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, so. um but the core gameplay is just was never quite there no and, but you know what the novelty was enough to warrant a sequel. I think mm -hmm. they said this one sold about 200,000 copies, which is no means a blockbuster, but it's enough to validate another game. Mm -hmm. So uh, that game was uh, C2 Judgment Clay, and that was released on January 1st, 1995. Is that, is that the best clay pun in the Clay Fighter series? You know what? I'm going to say yeah, C2 Judgment, Judgment Clay. clay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that is, because you know, obviously parodying Terminator 2, uh, and they tried to parody... They tried to keep that going with this one, but I think the only third movie they could think of was Naked Gun 33 and a third. 
Well, or, and you can't you can't parody like you can't parody a parody. You can't. No, but I I feel like that's kind of what they're doing, uh, right? No, like, I think it's just a joke as to like all the games are like you know blank sixty four. Yeah, so, it does make the game sound worse though. You're like, man, I'm losing out on two thirds of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting my full processing power. Yeah. Um, C2 was met with fairly uh, mediocre reviews. I think the big gimmick in that game was that every character had an evil alternate version of themselves that could be unlocked. Mm. But uh, from what I understand, they I didn't play this one, but from what I understand, they didn't really play all that different no. from their good versions. So uh, even the developers didn't really like it. I read an interview uh, from 1996 with Jeremy Airy, who was one of the main uh, devs on the game. And uh, he said the clay work in the second game was horrendous and total crap. Mm. And he promised to return to the original animation team for Clay Fighter 3, which is eventually renamed, into the game we're playing right now. So let's talk about Clay Fighter 63 and a third. So this game was released October 23rd, 1997, developed and published by Interplay Productions, and it is an N64 exclusive. Have we played an Interplay game yet? We have not. We wow. played an Interplay character, but we have not played an Interplay like game. Interplay's was a big deal for me. They were a very big deal. Uh, Let's talk about them. Interplay Productions was founded in Irvine, California in 1983, and the company was a pretty major player, I would say, in the early days of PC gaming. Um, They they made its name on uh, very quirky titles like The Bard's Tale and Mm. Wasteland. Um, And then uh, in the 90s, they really picked up. They had a string of hits that kind of helped define the company. So you got games like Earthworm Jim, uh, Descent, Baldur's Gate, Redneck Rampage, which was a big hit. Uh, (laughs) Say what you will about it. It was a big hit for them. Um, Arguably, Interplay's biggest contribution to the gaming landscape, aside from Booker Man, obviously, (laughs) uh, is as the creators of Fallout. Uh, The original Fallout was released in 1997. It was more of an isometric RPG back Mm -hmm. then, uh, point and click, kind of exploring Fog of War. I mean, similar to Baldur's Gate. Similar to Baldur's Gate. uh, Way harder. Those early Fallout games are hard. Well, they're super nonlinear and they give you a lot of freedom of you can just sort of walk to an area and dudes will just annihilate you. And you're like, oh, maybe I wasn't supposed to go to that area yet. Pretty easy to dig your own grave. In yeah. that one, yeah. Um, in it, both uh, Fallout and its sequel were solid critical and commercial yeah. hits, but uh, sadly the series didn't really become really big until after Interplay ran into some hard, some hard times. They sold the rights to Fallout uh, to Bethesda in 2007, who would go on to run with it and make it one of the best-selling series of all time. Uh, but uh, after that, it's, it sustained some massive losses, and uh, there was a failed partnership with Titus, which <laughs> don't partner with Titus. No. As a general rule, look at Superman, and then don't <laughs> sign anything that they give you to sign. Um, yeah, so they had a, their their company kind of fell apart because of that. Um, as of this year, the company is still technically around, uh, but it has sold off all of its IP. It mostly serves as kind of an independent publisher. We are going to see them again uh, in the future when we play Carmageddon and the Gex okay. games. Ah, <clears throat> yeah. So they have a real weird sort of catalog of games. Very like, strange. All weird over the mix place. of like real high quality sort of in depth stuff, um, RPGs for the PC, and then like Gex and Boogerman. I also remember right. lots of like edutainment games. Were they the Incredible Machine? I don't remember. See that I think they were, and them that's or maybe Sierra, why. somebody like that. Well, yeah. no, oh yeah, well, it's definitely I, Sierra. Oh, okay, I, I think I, I get those companies confused, but they both had a similar <sighs> fingerprint on like PC gaming of that era, like okay. Sierra and Interplay. I feel like we're kind yeah. of uh, right there with that. Um, all right, so I, I copied down the plot from the manual, and uh, I'll point out where there were spelling or grammatical mistakes. Um, all right, so uh, this is from the manual directly. The Isle of Claymoto is the resting place of Bessie, the purple meteor that came crashing out of the sky onto Claymoto Island. Bessie has the essential ingredient, bok choy, necessary for Dr. Kiln's world-dominating mutagen. I need to stop right here. Bok choy, spelled B-A-W-K, like a chicken noise. Is the What's the joke here? Like, I, I I have no idea. Are we? Are we take, I mean, bok choy is a real thing. It's right? a vegetable. Yeah, it's a very tasty, like like uh, uh, green vegetable. Yeah, you get it sautéed with some garlic on there. Ooh. Yeah, great in some hot pot. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. But like, what's what's the joke here? Are we just pointing to a funny sounding food well, and then changing like it to a chicken. That's what a lot of the humor comes from in this. Is like something sort of a word that is funny and they're like yeah it's funny just like put it in there's no sort of logic behind the no jokes. Uh, that's i just had to stop there on that okay anyway uh bessie has the essential ingredient bok choy necessary for dr kiln's world do- world dominating mutagen claymoto's chief baddies are the devious dr kiln and local voodooist happy harry hungan 
With a combination of laboratory experiments and voodoo spells, they've created an interesting, that's in quotes, I didn't put that in quotes, assortment of hooligans to help them take over the world. These hideous henchmen include Bonker, a clown gone bad, and Ichibod Clay, the wonder from down under. And again, I need to stop here. I looked up Ichibod Clay's backstory. I looked up everything. He's not Australian. No, he's uh, from hell. He's from, that's what they're trying to say? It's, it's just that he's be. from the ground? <laughs> or like he's from, because he's a ghost? Yeah. Like, so he's from down under? Exactly. Come on. You know where ghosts live. Yeah, sure. The, the, okay, whatever. <sighs> um, Dr. Kiln is putting the final touches on his top secret mutagen called Clayotic Claymorphosis. Again with the, I'm telling you, my putty thing at the beginning, <laughs> solid gold. Okay, I could have <laughs> written this. As uh, Hoongin walks in the lab doors, when Hoongin finds out about Dr. Kiln's secret formula, the clay hit... Okay, this is uh, H-I-T apostrophe S. Hit is the fan. The The clay hit is the fan. As the fight breaks loose, the vial containing the mutagen breaks in Dr. Kiln's hand, and it begins to take on a life of its own. The condition begins to spread rapidly as Dr. Kiln has no choice but to amputate his own hand. As the hand hits, again, H-I-T apostrophe S... The floor, it scurries out of the lab and into the dense jungles of Claymoto. Hoongan quickly exits the lab in pursuit of the hand as Dr. Kiln writhes in pain. Great touch there. (laughs) Meanwhile, as Dr. Kiln deals with his newfound stump, a ship on a three-hour tour capsizes just off the coast of Rubbish Reef. So that's the Gilligan reference. Yeah, exactly. Like, why are you putting in that? That's not a joke. Let's just see if it sticks. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Uh, the ship contains a lively crew of characters, each with their own agenda. There's Bad Mr. Frosty, who is always followed by a registered trademark sign. So I, <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. Uh, a one-time bad guy who has turned his life around. And Kung Pao, a wok cookery Chef Boy R. Clay. Chef Boy R. Clay. So that's a Chef Boy R. D. joke, right? But... but- that's not that's not a pun. They don't sound the same. That's not you're even just a changing pun. A word. That's like if you're. I should have done Woody Siskaus Clay at yeah, the top of this show. Sure, that's yeah. just as. I mean, you could say uh, Clay Boyardee would make more sense. Yeah, because at least Chef it Clay RD makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Uh, okay. This includes uh, uh, a walk cookery Chef Boyardee, Taffy Man, and Blob round out the uh, castaways of the SS Manure, and that's the plot. That's the, the plot. SS manure. And then we, so we know that they have different intentions when they come. But we don't, we don't know, know what, what those, those intentions are. are. No, And we're no. not going to learn. The game is not going to tell us. It's the same as in the first game. Like, you know, a meteor hit, everybody starts fighting. Why? Who cares? Um, so it, it's always amazing to me that, like, okay, I know that not every game has, like, giant multi-million dollar budgets. But this is still a money-intensive project. Yeah. And you can't have one, like proofreader like look through your manual yeah. before like and you can't go to like why go through the effort to write a backstory with to that extent because that feels like an amount of effort put in where they're like all right here's what's happened here's the premise and then they sort of get like the initial premise and then they just stop yeah and it's like why even bother why not just say like dr killen's trying to take over the island some people are trying to stop him like bam do that like make it a paragraph yeah why are we why are we saying they're good and bad factions of clay fighters and his hand is super irrelevant in this game super relevant they spent a lot of time in this manual i I feel like this is a first draft yeah that was like meant as a as a proof of concept thing and then they just never updated it speaking of first drafts that feel like a proof of concept hey that really extends the whole game it really does Uh, all right, so uh, fighting games, of course, live and die by their characters. So who do we get here? We have 12 characters, uh, five of which are new to this game. Uh, two are guests from other series. And the returning characters include uh, the evil snowman bad Mr. Frosty, who's who is... Now. He's good now. He's uh, over a new frozen leaf. Yeah, you, I mean, again, call him good Mr. Frosty now. <laughs> Just something, you know. They don't explain in the manual why he went good, but he is I now. think that Sumo Santa is the villain. Like, he's yeah. sort of turned on Santa. <laughs> I, so I, I guess if you know any character from this game, you probably know Bad Mr. Frosty yeah, just because he's on all the cover art. Um, but he's he's not that memorable. Um, you get an amorphous shapeshifter named Blob. Uh, Bonker, who's a demented clown. Ichibod Clay, who is a pumpkin-headed ghost. Taffy is a super flexible man made out of living saltwater taffy. <laughs> and Hoppy, the battle bunny, uh, he made his debut in Clay Fighter 2. And here he's called T-Hoppy. And he's been cybernetically enhanced into the ultimate killing machine while still being a bunny. He's kind of like an Arnold. Kind of, yeah. 
Uh, the new characters here are uh, all racists. I think <laughs> pretty much all racist. So let's start with Happy Harry Hungen, who's a voodoo witch doctor. Yeah. So wait, we'll stop oh right boy. here. So imagine a voodoo witch doctor. Yeah. You got it. Got it. Like, <laughs> just make like... him slightly more racist, and you're there. Yeah. Give yeah. him like a Jamaican accent that is occasionally like weirdly Indian. Yeah. And like veers back and forth, and have him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there's oh god, I even hate talking about this one. Kung Pao. An Asian martial arts master and uh, Chinese food owner, and all of his moves are Chinese food themed, themed. or takeout themed. Like so, his block is he pulls a walk over his head, or yeah. he pokes you with chopsticks, or uh, he'll... his moves. His moves are named after various types of Chinese food, like egg foo young, and like fuck this character forever. I, I, ugh, I hate. I it. you know you know I'm just gonna admit it. This was my when I, I played this game quite a bit. This was my favorite character. I found him very entertaining. Ugh. I have I have since learned learned I mean, better. He's, and, he's probably the best playing character. Like, yeah, because he plays like a character from a real fighting game. Right. Like he plays like Ryu or something. Yeah, yeah. But, which kind of makes it all the worse. Yeah. Um, then we have a uh, sumo Santa who I can't tell if they're making more of a fat joke or more of a Japanese show. I think it's more of a fat. Oh, joke. Oh, it's a fat him. joke. Yeah. Sumo Santa is gross. He's like, very gross. Yeah. Like this game, you know, it has, I mean, clay fighters always kind of leaned into being a little edgy. Um, but mostly that doesn't really land in this game. Like Not most of the all. characters aren't that gross or that weird, but sumo Santa, like, his gimmick is his stomach will sort of extend, but it extends in a really unnatural way. Very Because it looks phallic. very hard. Yeah. And, it's, and it, I think, you know, again, he's parodying E-Honda and, like, like characters like that, I think. But Yeah, like, I mean, I, I like, I, the premise made me laugh that, like, you have an evil Santa as one of your characters. And part sure. of his move is he'll take off his loincloth and whack people with it. You get a lot of Santa ass in this game. Oh, you do. Yeah, he, you really do. Yeah, this he's got this... So this game has claytalities. Yeah. Where you're parodying Mortal Kombat, and most of these claytalities are super lame. Oh, like, yeah. If you played his Earthworm Jim, one of them, he just uppercuts the guy, and the t- sort of clay breaks in half. It's very boring. But Sumo Santa has one where he sat... He jumped in the air, sat on the other guy, and then he kind of moons... You like the camera looking the other character and up... Then he unleashes this explosive fart where the other guy kind of pushes out of his blood. Yeah. It's 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 weird. It's gross. It's, it's real it's, gross. Yeah, and it's not it's not fun. It's just no. weird. Um, the other new character we get here is Doctor Kiln, uh, who is he's really only racist if you're a mad scientist, I guess. <laughs> okay. But you know, that's which is a, not yet officially recognized as a race. Not terribly yet. Uh, and then our two guest characters, uh, we get Earthworm Jim making his second appearance on the N64, and Boogerman. Uh, Boogerman, for those who don't know, was the star of an interplay plat- platformer from 1993. Another one I was obsessed with when I was very young. Uh, this is his one and only appearance since his eponymous first game uh, flopped on the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. You know, Nintendo. the game Boogerman, not that bad of a game. It's a, it's it's a decent platform. honestly one of the best looking games on the Genesis mm-hmm. if you can stomach it. Yeah. Uh, it's literally nothing but uh, booger and pee and poo and fart jokes uh, nonstop. That's... You're just like a gross little bald guy who flicks boogers at bad guys, farts really loud, you shoot plungers, like... It's the basest base level uh, nonsense, but it's not a terrible game. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, Boogerman, Sumo Santa, and Dr. Kiln are all unlockable characters. Everyone else is available so from the get-go. So it's super weird. Like, both of these games, this and the Sculptor's Cut, have a lot of unlockable Like, three unlockable characters is quite a few, but it's weird because there seems to be no unlock mechanism in the game. Like, the no. way to unlock them is to look up on the internet a certain code. Like, yeah. And why even have them locked? So every time you want to play this game, you have to put in this code to play as them. Yeah. Which is just very annoying and unnecessary. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this game is so light on content, you'd think that, like, having some way to actually... An award system to unlock them would be welcome or something. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, so th- these characters are not terribly memorable or great in uh, many respects, no. but they lined up, like, a murderer's row of, like, the best voice talent of the 90s to do these voices it's pretty impressive all right so we get rob paulson who you might know as yakko warner or leonardo from the ninja turtles mm-hmm. uh frank welker who is uh fred from scooby-doo abu every animal noise ever yes. tress mcneil from the simpsons a gadget from uh, uh, uh chippendale pretty much everything jim cummings who is winnie the pooh mm. Charlie Adler, who is Crash Bandicoot. No, who is uh, 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 Buster Bunny. Jess Harnell, he was Crash Bandicoot, and he was wacko. And then Dan freaking Castellaneta does both Earthworm Jim and Boogerman. Uh, 
And we also get announcements from Michael Buffer, uh, Mr. Let's Get Ready to Rumble himself here saying Let's Get Ready to Crumble. But it's actually him. And that guy is not cheap. That guy, you know what? That guy does great work in this game. He does. Like his announcement, the sound in this game is all like of a high caliber and all the characters have distinct voices. Yeah. They sort of say consistently annoying things and like bad puns. But, you know, the voice acting itself is good. It's great. Yeah, they don't give them a lot to work with, but everyone's really trying. Sometimes you can hear Tress doing, like, Agnes Skinner with some of her characters. Yeah, you characters. definitely recognize a lot of voices. Bonker the Clown really sounds like Yakko. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, Boogerman is definitely just Barney Gumble, yeah. which is great. Um, so, gameplay What? Let's talk about the gameplay itself. Here's, Pretty... where, here's where things kind of drop off. Here's so, where things fall apart. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the characters. They're, they're, ver- they're varied. They're not... They're not fantastic, but they're very sure um, distinctive. Yeah, and the game it just feels so sluggish. And this yeah. is this is the biggest problem with the game is um, when it, when you jump, it'll take like half a second for your character to actually jump. When you input sort of a special combination, like let's say you play as Earthworm Jim, you want to shoot your gun, you do the Hadouken forward. Um, your character you'll press it, and then it'll stop for a second then crouch down and shoot his gun. And so it just feels very unresponsive. Like the default run speed is just so slow. Very, very slow. Like you have to sort of jump across to really get any distance. And I feel like that's sort of what lets this whole game down. It, yeah. I mean, it's like you, What that's what you want from a fighting game is you want it to feel super responsive and you want to feel like you have total control over your character and so that things feel really fair. Just so much of this is kind of jumping around and mashing on buttons and just kind of getting pummeled. Right. So your your C buttons are kind of your standard attacks. A and B are your, uh, I mean, they're called the, wobbly it, attacks. It's the Street Fighter button layout of you have three punches and three kicks of varying speed and yeah. power. But and, they're and, also slow. And like we said, there's a combo system similar to Killer Instinct here that you can plug in if you're, uh, you know... Honestly, like I didn't have as much a problem with the fighting or the sluggishness as I did with the general griminess of this game. Like for some reason, every setting in this game is like overcast. It's like all gray and black, like completely lacking a personality. We get like three junkyard stages and three haunted house stages and they're all grim looking. And I'm just thinking like, even if you're just trying to like have fun with these characters like it should be bright and wacky yes. and colorful and then you can undercut like that kind of childhood uh the tv aesthetic yes. with some darker humor and that would might make it sting a little more that might be cut through a little bit but here it looks gross it looks like bio freaks yeah which is uh which is a weird aesthetic choice for this because the other games like they they the levels popped a little bit. They yes. had more personality. I, I still have like a mental image of sort of the giant piano that you play on, or oh, the, op- the opera stage. Yeah, like, you're right. Those things were very distinctly. And you know, like as much as characters are is, is crucial for a fighting game, I think the stages are pretty crucial as well. Mm-hmm. And this one just completely fails on that regard. Like it, it's just really ugly to look at, and I feel like it's so drab and dim looking that it's kind of hurting. The really good animation we get on these characters, yeah. uh, we're losing a lot of the nuance in there. Um, and they do look good. They look very nice. Um, they've kind of remodeled and redesigned all the characters a little bit. So, like, the ones that you recognize look a little different. Uh, Bad Mr. Frosty is much more, like, built in the torso. And he's got, like, uh, fist fingers or, like, uh, stick fingers and stuff like yeah. that. Um you know, there's a lot of personality in the character designs themselves that we're losing because it's so poorly lit. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, really, very, very bare bones game. Uh, like, the, it has the exact same number of modes as the original, which is one player or two player. Yeah. That's it. And uh, so, you're, yeah, your one player mode, you select a character, you fight through maybe eight other characters, and then you get to Dr. Kiln. And this game is super easy. Very like, easy. Um, I was surprised because I couldn't get through one level of original Clay Fighter. Yeah, it's we just, very hard. We just played as Earthworm Jim and beat the whole game without losing a fight um, no. on the normal difficulty. Um, and then you get to the ending, which is just nothing. Is you There's like a little text scroll that's about 10 lines long, and it talks about how Earthworm Jim has saved the world, and now he's going to go fishing. Hilarious because he's a worm. Like, yeah, they have to drive that home. Like, yeah, it, they, like ironic, he should fear hooks. And you're like, I, I get it, we, game. We get I get it. your joke. Yeah, if you're explaining it to us. We don't need that. It's <laughs> it's not a good joke to begin with. Like, 
I, yeah. I will admit I got kind of into the fighting of it. Like the two player fighting is pretty solid, you know? I don't know. It's not it's def- it's not the worst we've played. No, it's not. Um yeah, the, I agree the the frame rate and the kind of sloppy hit detection is unfortunate uh and it's it slows things down. This does feel uh, of a kind to early Mortal Kombat to me, which okay. has always been my problem with sure. early Mortal Kombat. That's how sluggish it feels. But you can still kind of go back to those games, mm-hmm. you know, and this has that same element. And I think that the, yeah, playing this a two-player, like, it's, the characters have a nice variety of special moves. It's fun to mess around with their different abilities. Like, I would happily play a two-player mode where I played with every character once. Yeah. And was like, oh, what's this character like? Um, and I wouldn't have a bad time. Um, I The other thing is, just for real nitty-gritty, this also, your characters have, like, a super move mm-hmm. um, where they get, like, a little power meter that's built up, and then you rotate twice and press the um, attack button to do, it's like a Marvel versus Capcom super thing, but they're not, they're not, like, big and flashy. You just kind of get this little blue light for a second and then do this powerful move, but there's nothing very exciting about it. Yeah, I think. and as, as you mentioned, the claytalities are really underwhelming. Yeah. Like, for a game that's so hyping up its wackiness like it's really leaning off the wacky and the fatalities i don't know yeah there's i i think that the real sense of this game is that it just feels super rushed and unfinished like i do remember this game being previewed at a nintendo power like this was a cover game Mm. and they did a feature on it and there were like five characters featured that are not in this game yeah this game is even pretty open about that once you beat the game it says this animal was harmed in the making of this, and they show a picture of Lockjaw, mm-hmm. who's this big dog who didn't make it into the game. And he's getting strangled to death by T-Hop. But he's weirdly on the cover of he's the game. on the cover. Yeah. All right, so the cover is bad Mr. Frosty, like, punching out at you. Yeah. But in the background, you see that image of Hoppy strangling Lockjaw. And Lockjaw's not in the fucking game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a real, there's just a real sense of like they sort of get the baseline idea and they just aren't able to <coughs> polish it very much. Yeah, it's like sort of the okay, we have a claytality system, like let's have it be an uppercut. Yeah, like, yeah, great. Uh, this this series did something similar to uh, a game we've discussed previously, which is Castlevania, okay. which is that they had one version that kind of made it out to shelves, and then they waited six months and released the version that you could tell they kind of wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. The version um, that nowadays would have been downloadable content. Exactly. Or like a patch. A patch, yeah. yeah. Instead, it's a whole new game. So this one got that, but it also made the fatal mistake of making that patch a blockbuster exclusive. So let's talk about that a little bit. So Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut. This was released on May 15th, 1998. Developed and published by Interplay once again. And once again, it is an N64 exclusive. So yeah, like uh, like most of the rarest games in the console, this was a blockbuster exclusive. We've talked about a few of these in the past. Um, this is actually the second Clay Fighter game that was exclusive to Blockbuster. In 1994, Interplay partnered with Blockbuster to release Clay Fighter Tournament Edition, which was the first oh. one of these partnerships. This this that was the first Blockbuster exclusive game. That game's not super valuable though, I don't think. I don't know. I think I, I have that, that game. The Tournament I don't Edition. I remember it being very much. I'll have to check on that. I didn't look into it, but it's basically just kind of like yeah, like I said, like a patch. It it fixed glitches, added some new backgrounds, and that's kind of about it. Um you know, but uh, but yeah, Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut. Like we said, this is the rarest, most expensive, hardest so, to find yeah, game I on the N64. Checking eBay as we were playing because the game isn't all that engaging. This game will most people are asking about four hundred and fifty dollars for it. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's a lot of things that you could do with four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that is not an insubstantial amount of money. No, uh, especially if you want to go complete in box and pay five thousand yeah. dollars, which is what people are asking for that. Uh, so, uh, and you yeah. know the amount. So let's just get this out of the way first. Yeah. This game is not worth $450. Sure I isn't. don't know if there's any super rare game that's actually worth the value that it is. No. But this one is extra not. It's um, really not. The Even if this was a fully unique game, like if there wasn't already a Clay Fighter game on the system that's almost identical. It still um, wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. And so let's talk about the changes here. Yeah. What actually makes this the sculptor's cut? And weirdly... I don't think there's anything definitive about this game. Like, you would think that, like, okay, they're just going to have a host of improvements. And it doesn't feel like that. Well, that that's the weird thing. Like, 
they they improved a couple of things and then they removed a couple of things that were already working. And then they sort of changed just sort of the core way that the game plays. But Which I don't is think a very they, strange move. I don't think they changed it in any way that made it more fun. So <laughs> let's let's look at this a little bit. Uh, the big the big difference that we're getting is that we have four new characters here. These are some of the characters that were cut from Clay Fighter Three back when it was announced. Uh, and there's still plenty racist. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, so we get the Zappa Yao Yao boys, which are three pygmy natives of Claymoto Island. Ugh. You play as all three of them at the same time. Their names are Fofo, Gling, and Kapu. So now you know that, and you have you've forgotten something important. Yeah. Um, and they all stand on each other's shoulders. You made the comparison to Vincent Adultman from BoJack. That's yeah. kind of what they're doing. But they're not um, like they're not like. I think that would be a fun character if they were all dressed like in a big overcoat. Or exactly, something, that'd be way more. These fun. Little, little fists come out of the middle of it. Yeah, th- that's like a fun premise. But God, these characters suck. Oh, they're so, much. so hard like, to play. They seem so slow. You get hit, and they'll stand for like a second before you can do anything. And kind of their chief attack is, you know, since there's three guys, you're hucking guys at each other. Like guys are your opponent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But if you throw the guy on the top, it goes right over the other person's head. Yeah. It's hard to figure out how to throw the one in the middle. I don't think you can throw the bottom guy, right? No, I don't think so. Um, so it's just like, he's really clunky and awkward to play. Um, then we have uh, Dr. Killen's dog, Lockjaw Pooch, uh, who, like we mentioned before, was on the cover of the previous game, but he was cut. Very boring character. Yeah, he's just a dog with a big mouth. And That's he it. bites things, but he's, he's not exciting. He's not cute. He's not interesting. Doesn't play well, no. Uh, then we get Lady Liberty, which is literally just the Statue of Liberty, uh, animated and brought to life. Which um, is kind of funny, like medium, I don't know. Medium like she's, funny. I would say, more interesting than the other two characters. Yeah. She plays a lot better. Also worth noting that she is only the second female character in this entire series. There's her and there's Helga, who is in the first one, cut from the second one. I don't know... I, I mean, I don't think this is a fight we necessarily need to take no. up for gender diversity in Clay Fighter games, but uh, I think it's worth commenting on. Yeah. Um, and the other new character here is High Five, which is Dr. Kiln's severed hand, which makes me think that that first draft in the manual was meant to refer to this, yeah. like, because... Um, it was clearly supposed to be a bigger part of the game. And uh, High Five is the most fun of these four characters to play. It's because it's super weird. The um, hand is huge. Huge. Like, it's it's way the biggest character. Than any other character. Yeah, which if you're tracking the game, like this is this is his severed hand. Well, I think they're, I they're doing that like it got a, mutated, right? Like it went into the four. I'm sure that I'm they guessing. wrote a poorly punctuated paragraph explaining I'm it. I'm sure. Yeah, they probably explained that. But like, if they're going for an Evil Dead Two thing, which I think is what they're referencing. Mm. You know, Ash's hand in that stayed the same size right. the entire time, and it was just menacing because of that. Uh, but this time it's huge, um, and every time you do, like, flips and kicks and stuff, you fling gore at people, which <laughs> is kind of awesome. Yeah. But the character isn't finished. It doesn't have any uh, claytalities. It and doesn't have all of its... very few special moves. Yeah, very limited. It's just weird feeling because it kind of hovers through the air, so it doesn't match. It's kind of like when you play Mortal Kombat and unlock, like, Motaro or something. Yeah. Who doesn't have the same physics as the other characters. It feels really weird. So the other big change we get here is there's an intro sequence with a song. Which and, is fun. Uh, like, the intro sequence is... is qu- I think that's the best thing about this game. Is yeah. Is that, like... So you, if you want to spend an extra four hundred dollars for this game, you get that uh, you get that thirty second or, intro seat. Tell you what, I'll save you the trouble and put it at the end of this episode. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> there you go. You save you a couple hundred dollars. Little hit intro song, and it shows sort of pans around the island that you live on. Um, and the island, it should be noted, is now well lit and colorful yeah. and bright. At least the map screen is. <laughs> yeah, the map screen is. We you can set it to be able to choose your level, so it'll. You'll pick a level and it'll pan to that area of the map, and then you're like, oh, "Okay, I'll pick Rubbage Reef," because, and then you go there, and oh, it's all dark and garbage. It's just a, it's a it's a junkyard again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's go like to the graveyard or the haunted mansion. Ooh, ooh, which one? Yeah, or the, <laughs> or the spooky, voodoo hut, the spooky spire. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's all way too similar. But yeah, like the fighting mechanic has changed in a fundamental way. Like, um, they've gotten rid of you know. So in in Killer Instinct. You, when you're doing those combos, you're not pressing a button for every hit. You're dialing a combination. Yeah, you memorize like a special move, a combination. Yeah, you put it in input, and then you can drop your controller and just let it go. Here, and that's what the clay fighter, the last clay fighter had. Yeah. Uh, this time, this gets rid of that, so now you just have to manually input all those buttons. And you have to figure out what moves naturally chain into other ones. Yeah. Um, it's also much a much harder game uh, yes, this time around. Much, much harder. much harder. We couldn't get past a single level this time. Uh, I mean, admittedly, we didn't play this game all that long. Not a whole but, lot. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, um, 
And I think that's kind of about it, right? I think they made a couple of little basic changes to some backgrounds. Well, um, well, so very annoyingly, like I think due either due to the addition of new characters or what, they had to cut um, pull back on some stuff. So characters don't have the same array of special moves. Um, yeah. Some moves are cut. And Clay, um, Earthworm Jim and Boogerman, probably the best characters from the first game, are now secret characters, meaning you have to type in this button combination on the menu screen every time you want to play as them. Yeah. Which, yeah. Very annoying. Like, Very those, annoying. those were the ones that you'd want to play. And, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, not a worthwhile upgrade. Like the changes that they make are welcome, but they're also undoing a lot of things that were working. Like at least minimally, they were working. I mean, the change that I need, like so, part of a big deal, like the big deal when Street Fighter Two came out was like the huge upgrade to it was Street Fighter Two Turbo, mm -hmm. where they're like, oh look, it's the same game, but it runs way faster. Yeah, and like that's what this needed to be. It needed to be Clay Fighter sixty three and a third Turbo, sure. so it actually runs at an okay speed. Something um, like that. Yeah, I mean, it feels it, to me it feels more sluggish than the original version, and maybe that's because the combos don't chain as naturally. Um, but I don't, I don't really think, I can't think of really a single reason aside from the intro video to recommend this over the first one. I find it, no. I find it worse to play and the new characters all suck. And again, that's just what makes me feel like this is all just one big shrug. Like there's just not a lot of care or attention put into any of this. I feel like this is a series that could have been salvaged by having make some mini games, like some little fun things you could do, like that Kirby game where you slash each other with swords or like little things like that, you know, uh, that could that could spice it up and really kind of capitalize on the personality they've got built into these characters. And it just kind of sits there, you know, yeah. like the jokes don't land. There's no real consistent comedic aesthetic at all. Like everything's just kind of all over the place. And oh, this this word maybe sounds funny to me one time. OK, I'll, I'll drop it in here. So, uh, yeah, uh, not great. None of these great. There is, uh, it is worth noting, there is one character who appeared in the Clay, Clay Fighter 3 beta that didn't appear here, and that's a character named Hobocop. Oh, yes, I remember the advertisement for Hobocop. Yeah, Hobocop was a homeless man dressed in a tin can armor uh, who attacked, both of his attacks revolved around either drinking, excreting bodily functions, or flashing his genitals. That was sure. a special taunt attack he had. Uh, the developers wisely agreed that his character was a bad look, so they just <laughs> stuck with all the racist shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going to offend anyone there. Yeah. Um, and that's it for Clay Fighter. This is the last Clay Fighter game. Uh, the series has never had another sequel. There was a rumored remaster of the Sculptor's Cut that was going to be released on the PC. Uh, it had a working title, Call of Putty. <laughs> not bad. Uh, but the project has been abandoned, and Interplay has since sold off all the rights to the series, so I don't... I wouldn't hold your breath about somebody needs to make fighter. like a uh, so wait you hear it here first bad Mr. Frosty the next DLC character in Smash <laughs> See, you know what that'd be great yeah. keep, it, keep the exact animation uh, but make him move faster like a Smash character awesome we were actually talking about how like this this uh, did a lot of things that would later be done in the Injustice games, like moving between stages and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you and can knock someone from through a door into another stage, but there's no real logic to that mechanic. It also yeah. has a weird thing where when you beat someone in a round, your health will stay mm. and they'll just get a new health bar. Um, Which was carried over. The, yeah. Fight. So plus the three characters that you use as one, like the Leonardo and the Injustice Two, is now the Zapiaya boys. Same <laughs> yeah, thing. Exactly. Same thing. Bring those exactly. guys back. Uh, have you Some, got anything else to say? Somebody about needs to make like a new uh, Smash knockoff of all these weird for like you get a clay fighter character you get an eternal champions character you get a thrill kill character <laughs> something from dark Realm. what was the game we played war gods, war gods dark rift dark rift okay uh, and, i want to say dark you get Realm. mace the dark age guy. mace the dark age coming back yeah. um do you have anything else to say about clay fighter well i mean ready to move let's, on to our let's, rankings? let's rank it up let's let's rank them up here uh each week we are ranking the games that we have just played what do you want to start us off sure. where's clay fighter going putting this at uh Number 81 and a half. Um, no, number 81, which is actually <laughs> based on how much we've dumped on it, like probably higher than you might have expected me to put it. But you know what? I Games that like go for weirdness and go for personality, I still appreciate. Cause hmm. They're like much more interesting to me than something like Dark Rift. Yeah. Um, where at least I want to like see the different characters moves. Um, and I think that I think that that works OK. Um Again, I didn't have to spend. I didn't save up and spend seventy dollars for this game. Yeah, I'm still where, bitter. <laughs> where it would have been a huge waste of money. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I bought that sculptor's cut when it was $150. So oh, it was nice. only a pretty big waste of my, money. Mine was less than that, too. Yeah. I think mine was like 325 something yeah. like that. Still uh, too much to pay for this Still game. too much to pay. Um, but uh, so I'm putting it in number 81. I do think that it's fun to see the characters. Um, I just really the only thing that I would want is this game to just play much better, which yeah. is admitted the big <laughs> one. But, That's a um, big one. And you know what? The sculptor's cut, they're just, they're, they feel very much the same. Um, yeah. I, I think that it makes sense having it, releasing it as a blockbuster thing, because you'd feel more pissed off if you had, like, bought this additional copy and you're like, oh, there's nothing here. Yeah, rental, yeah. Where if you go. if you were really excited about Clay Fighter and you're like, I want to see what these new additions are like, you just rent it. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, this this game is like the definition of rental only. Yeah. Like, you will see everything this game has to offer in an afternoon. And I think less. I did rent it, and so I still have fond memories of that renter, rental. So I'm putting the Sculptor's Cut right under it at 82. So okay. 81 and 82. All right. They're, Perf- they're not great, but they're sort of a weird little footnote i'm i'm in a i'm in a similar boat maybe going a little harsher um and again we've been we've been trash talking this so these are still going to seem like kind of high um but i am putting these oh where did i drop the number oh uh these are going to be number 113 uh that's the original and 114 is the sculptor's cut right below that um they're both going right underneath disney's tarzan which is kind of our kind of our cutoff for uh where the good games end yeah, kind of. And this is this is kind of on the higher end of the bad games, I guess I would yes. say. Because I agree with you. I think the personality carries it a long way. Uh, I wanted to see more of these ideas implemented. I wanted to see somebody involved in this production give more of a shit. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of a frustrating experience. You could see the potential that's there. Like if they cut the racist shit, <laughs> if they tightened up their fighting engine, if they had some kind of governing aesthetic for how their humor was going to be executed you could see potential for it um, yeah you say what you will about Boogerman's humor but it is very consistent it is yeah <laughs> he's got a brand and he knows that he's, he, he hammers that home so yeah that's where I'm putting those um, you know uh, not great and and yeah Sculptor's Cut is going lower because uh, it doesn't do anything the original doesn't already do slightly better and it's way more expensive <laughs> so um, well cool we, right. have a, we have a couple letters here. Hooray! Yay, I hope they're more letters. interesting than Clay Fighter. I think they are. Uh, first letter here. Hey, Steve, Woody, and guest. Ha ha, uh, guess again. There's trick no on you. Today. Uh, uh, when you guys recap the history of Donald Duck, it reminded me of one specific product with Donald Duck as the mascot, and that's Donald Duck Orange Juice. Yes. I mostly remember this orange juice from my childhood when my sister and I would stay over at my grandma's house when my parents would go out of town. I believe that she would buy it in preparation for us coming over for a couple of reasons. One, it had a cartoon mascot, so we would want to drink it with breakfast. Yes. And two, it was a cheap orange juice that was made from concentrate. Not that I'm calling my grandma cheap. It's <laughs> just she was buying it for uh, the weekend. Why buy more expensive fresh grandma or orange juice that will go fresh bad later? Fresh grandma juice. <laughs> Sorry, fresh orange juice that will later go bad. I love my grandma. Sorry, grandma. Uh, I recently saw. Oh, this... I like to ima- wait. I like to just imagine oh, yeah. that this is the end of the letter. Oh yeah, this yeah. <laughs> was talking about. This is me. I'm just talking about my grandma. I just like Donald Duck orange juice. Okay, um, go ahead. So I recently saw this Donald Duck orange juice again in a local grocery store. It still had the same packaging with Donald's face right on the front of the cart of the carton, and it got a huge hit of nostalgia. Do you guys know any products that you enjoyed because of a tie-in with an unrelated character or brand? Love the show. Keep on rocking your way through the list, guys. And that's from Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you very much, Elliot. I love that. Uh, I I do. I totally forgot about Donald Duck orange juice, but um, I don't it, think I ever tried it. it, it it's fine. It's it, my, it. I still. I buy it. I drink it. Um, my, my parents bought generic brands of orange juice only, or the tubes of frozen orange juice that you mashed into yeah. a pitcher. Yeah. One of the sad. One of my saddest memories is when I learned that orange juice was not good for you. I know, like, right? I was like, oh, it's so delicious. That and, was a fairly recent yes, discovery. Yes, me, me too. Like, I was like, oh, juice is delicious and it's nutritious. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, no, it's just sugar. And I'm like, crap. They did a, they did an episode of the show Superstore about that. He's been drinking a gallon of apple juice every morning and now he has diabetes and he doesn't know why. Um, yeah. So uh, as far as products, um, I, I can think of one specific product that I, I was into, not because it tasted good, because it certainly didn't. But that's Ecto Cooler. Uh, that's the, uh, the Ghostbusters brand High C, the green High C. Uh, that they made uh, with Slimer on the cover. And they they kept that around long after the Ghostbuster franchise had kind of petered out. Uh, 
but yeah, Ecto Cooler was a thing for a long time, and I, I I just always wanted it because I thought Slimer was awesome. I feel like for me, it's <clears throat> just breakfast cereals. Like I mm. will, when I see a breakfast cereal with a mascot, I will buy it. Yeah, like even if it's like a limited time, like my you know Little Mermaid cereal, I'm like I'm I'm all about sure. This. And you know what? Those limited time cereals are terrible. Oh, mostly. Like they're yeah. just you you. It's very clear. Limited time means this didn't test well enough for us to actually release a new cereal, but we still have a bunch of product laying around. Yeah. So we're going to brand it with something and then give it here. I just, I don't know. Cere- yeah, I think that is rooted in nostalgia of just general cereal mascots. Yeah. But like, I will I will try any cereal once. Dippin' Dot cereal, not that good. Oh, I can <laughs> imagine, right? Like, any, I, f- I feel like I can't do any cereal that's based on a cookie or any oh, kind of, like, ice cream treat. actually pretty good. Well, Cookie Crisp I can do, right. but, like, there's Oreo cereal, there's Nutter Butter cereal. Like, I, I don't think I could do any of Sometimes those. Sometimes when I just want to <laughs> celebrate life, like, I will mix tricks and Lucky Charms, and, like, I am a 31-year-old man, and I'll just, like, eat these, and I'll be like, you know... Things are going to be okay. Oh, at, at uh, last Halloween, I bought booberry for the first time. Yeah, it's delicious. Oh, it's a classic. Booberry is yeah. great. And somehow they've managed to make those marshmallows taste better. They used to be very, like, chalky. Chalky. And they don't taste like that anymore. I checked out, someone came to the library and checked out some books, and their last name was Frankberry. <laughs> Chuckled to myself. Oh, man. Oh, that poor person. <laughs> uh, okay, we have two more letters here, both kind of covering similar territory. There was some stuff we hey, missed Steven, in Diddy you, Kong Racing. What do you like about Frankenberry? That's your favorite <laughs> cereal, Halloween themed cereal. Well, firstly, uh, Count Chocula can suck a butt. Frankenberry and Booberry. Yeah, chocolate it's cereal does suck. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, hey guys, I just listened to the Donkey Kong Racing episode, or Diddy Kong Racing, excuse me, and I had a few, they just wrote DKR, so I don't know, I got confused. Uh, And I have a few comments. Firstly, the drumstick frog featured his coxcomb and not a bow, so he just had like a rooster's thing on there. Thank you. Um, Also, coxcomb, funny word. Funny word, yeah, I wish we'd said it. Coxcomb. Uh, There were four weight classes in the game, so there was light with Tipsy and Tip Top, medium, Diddy and Timber, medium heavy was Conker and Bumper, and heavy was Banjo and Crunch. Okay. So two of each weight class if you start unlocking characters. Good to know. That is good to know. I do think that is a better system than only having three, but you know, I'm also, it's pretty much common knowledge that heavy characters suck, so Steve Steve disagrees, but I think Uh, it's been scientifically proven. I remember that Bumper was my favorite racer, uh, and also they're asking uh, what our favorites were as well. It was also Bumper for me. That Bumper was the Bumper Badger. for you? Yes. Okay, see, I, I didn't play it long enough to get a favorite character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed playing as Banjo. Um, yeah, it's fun, yeah. To, it's fun to have Banjo in another setting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it felt like the medium heavies held the hovercraft down better than the lighter weights. Oh, interesting. I believe you. Also, there's a cheat code that you could input, Joint Venture, to play a two-player story mode, which might have been useful for review purposes. What? Anyway, I love the show. Keep up the great work. And that's from PRRJR, he, or pronounced Perger. Perger? I didn't know that there was a two-player adventure mode. I didn't either. And I'm kind of pissed off learning this now. Like, the game is capable of doing that, and they hid it behind a cheat code. Yeah, so we don't normally hell? play with cheat codes, like, very often. No, we, we did, did today. For this game. So we could actually play as all the characters which should be there yeah but generally cheat codes just don't really enter into my mind when i'm playing these games right. it's just it's not it's not part of my routine anymore that's so ins- i have no idea that's insane that that it like it must okay i have a couple theories a it must not run very well because i imagine that if they got it to work really well they wouldn't have put it hit it behind a cheat code i'm wondering yeah um and b if it does work really well that like that seems like a big deal because that would add a lot and I'm going to go try this yeah ASAP and get back to you yeah for sure <laughs> I definitely want now that I know this exists yeah. uh, we're getting similar feedback in this next letter hi Steve Woody and likely guest ooh suck it no guest uh, hello Steve, one of your don't tell, our, don't tell people who wrote letters to suck it <laughs> I know especially because he starts hello one of your patrons here oh, oh no <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash ultra 64 pod yeah we love you uh, I really enjoyed the Donkey Diddy Kong Racing episode. See, he spelled it out, and I still said it wrong. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the Diddy Kong Racing episode. There are a few things I wanted to point out. You don't have to bump into Taj. Uh, if your vehicle is sitting on the big elephant logo in the main hub, you can honk, and the, uh, it teleports to you. Uh, you also didn't discuss the cheat, which is where you tap A instead of holding A when in a car, and you can go much faster. Did you know about that? I didn't know. Is, I didn't know. I will also say, if a lot of these core gameplay elements are considered cheats... It's, it's not it's not great in the design field. Yeah, that should have been a feature, yeah. Um, also, that sounds very annoying to have to tap here repeatedly. It's yeah. Like, 
is the worst things is when you play like those space shooters and they mm. don't have like you can't hold a you like you have to tap I, it to repeated fire. So I hate that. I was debating this on. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But I was debating this on a, uh, an episode of Video Game Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, where I, I was asking about we were talking about burning chrome uh, uh-huh. and. Um, I was asking if there's a preferred way, like if you're a press and hold type of person, if you're playing a Contra-like game, oh, yeah. or if you're a tappa tappa tappa. And I've always been a tappa tappa tappa. That's crazy. And I don't know why. Uh, that's just kind of the way I learned how to play those games, and it just feels better, and I'm better at it like that. Oh man. Um, but everyone else is a is a press and hold, a yeah. spray and pray type. Anyway, back to the letter here. Uh, after you have beaten the game, so all balloons, all first place trophies, and beat Whizpig twice, wow. that unlocks Adventure 2, which are mirrored tracks, yes. so there's some replayability there. Uh, and lastly, if you enter the code Joint Venture, you can actually do a two-player adventure mode, which is pretty fun. I would agree with the average rank of 25, because I said 30, you said 20. I think mm-hmm. I don't know if that's exactly right. I think no, I think we both said 30. I think right I around said the same. I think we both said 30. Yeah, uh, I think this is right at the bottom of uh, my twenty-five top 25 games. As always, thanks for the great show. I look forward to it every week, even when it's games I don't care for. And that's from Jordan. Thank you very much, Jordan. Thank you for being a patron. We super appreciate it. Uh, You're actually going to be hearing from Jordan sometime shortly. uh, Hint, hint. So um, head over to patreon.com slash ultra64pod to find out a little bit more about how you can get on the show as well. (gasps) Oh, my God. I can be on the show. You can be on the show. My dreams are coming true. You can do it. Um, That's a good point. Like, see, again, uh, the the joint venture thing is uh, clearly very well known to people who have played this game a lot, uh, like, or grew up with it. I had no idea. I anticipate that will be something that we revisit. Because uh, I feel like that's maybe that's a maybe that's a bonus episode sometime soon. Because I feel like that's a fundamentally game changing feature. If yeah. you could do the best part of the game in two player, like that's a whole new ball game. Yeah, and um, oh, I totally lost what I was going to say. So oh. forget that. Well, all right, forget <laughs> that. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us at Ultra Sixty Four Podcast on pretty much everything: email, Twitter, Instagram, all that. Except our Patreon, which is Ultra Sixty Four Pod, uh, and we've got a whole bunch of great stuff coming out for yeah, that pretty more, soon. More constant. Our next game is going to be a combination two parlor games: Virtual Pool Sixty Four and Virtual Chess Sixty Four. So we're getting all virtual, and we're playing games that you normally play when you're an eighty-year-old man in your home. Well, perfect. So uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. So uh, we will see you next time for that. In the meantime, uh, let's get ready to crumble, let's everybody. Get ready to crumble. A meteor crash with fateful danger. Muddle creatures into clay with heroes bent on doing right and twisted foes up for the fight. Clay fighter. Went to what they set the stage. Clay fighter. Pounding clay is all the rage. And they have been all to the tail, but Doctor Kiln planned to prevail and re-release the meteor's goo. Set more fighters on the loose. Clay fighter. They punch and kick and they do tricks. Clay fighter. In summer, made as hard as bricks. So kill grins from ear to ear. Clay Moro Isle just quakes in fear. But none of our heroes have their way and force the evil goons to pay. Clay fighter. Blow by blow, no turning back. Clay fighter. Living mud on the attack. But who will win the final match? <laughs>